Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. Drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. We got a rad show today. We got John Dudley, professional archer, master bow hunter on the show, and Andy Stump. The retired Navy SEAL who, well, let's face it, he jumps off really fucking high buildings and is probably a better human than you and I combined. Uh, <laughs> Matt and Evan went uh, hunting with these boys, and uh, here's the show with the four of them. But first, we got some sponsors to put this whole shit wagon on the air. First and foremost is BlackRifleCoffee.com. They are obviously our chief sponsor. For all of 2019, and uh, we got a new promo code, Drinking Bros 20. If you haven't used it, use it now. Black Rifle's got a bunch of deals, man. They're uh, they're they're getting they're getting rid of their their end of the year stock, and uh, they're offering a bunch of deals on there, like like the hoodies that we're always wearing in all of our shits. Uh, the Black Rifle hoodies are going two for forty right now, but their Coffee Club of the Month is really where it's at. That's where you're gonna find. Uh, the best deals, and also, man, it's it's not only a subscription of the month club, but they're also they're they're sending you emails with uh, promo codes for other companies that you love off, and they're always giving free shit away. They just give away two free Liberty gun safes, and those are like five grand a piece. Just, I mean, literally, just for being a member. Like, you don't even have to enter a contest or anything. Uh, some of the finest coffee on the planet and the best apparel in the biz. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. And type in the promo code DRINKITBROS20. Sign up uh, for the coffee club of the month. Next up, we've got ghostbed.com forward slash bros. Man, we love Ghostbed. Uh, been with us for, for a while now. They're going to stay with us because they're making the best mattresses on the planet. And uh, look, it's, it's one of the most important things you probably own inside your house. Because uh, let's face it, if you don't get a good night's sleep, it's going to fuck up your day. Uh, it really is, and and we wouldn't promote a product that wasn't the best if it wasn't the best because of 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 how much mattresses are and what they mean to you on a daily basis. Uh, Ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros is giving you all the deals. I know they had a bunch of Christmas deals, and they're running those through the first couple weeks of January as well, so they're extended. So in case you didn't get one, you can get one now, and it, they've they've still got that pay as you go program. Thirty six months, no interest. Boom. You're ready to go. Uh, so go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and, and get in on them deals. I know they've got like, I think, fuck, $700 off a bundle package or something right now. So slide on over there. Their mattresses are amazing. Their sheets, the, the pillows, God bless, the pillows are amazing. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and you'll understand what we're talking about. 36 months, no interest, pay as you go program. Amazing. Next up, we got bisonunion.com. Hashtag Bert from TV. That's his company. Bert and Candace running it out of uh, Wyoming, doing it right, doing it tight, doing it all night. You look, you see us wearing their clothes and their hats in, in all of our Instagrams, you know. Uh, mine at ST James, ST James, obviously. Uh, no, but you, you look, everybody in the world follows Matt Bass. Uh, we're always wearing this shit for a reason. Um, it's comfortable, it looks cool. 
And uh, it's just for dudes, man. Like, uh, finally, I feel like we have an apparel company who's making cool shit for dudes uh, who just fucking hang out, man. And, and, you know, you're living your life. You want to look, you know, remotely cool and you don't want to go to Walmart. Uh, Their T-shirts are fucking cheap. Uh, their hats are the best in the biz. Uh, a lot of their designs, you know, slid over to Black Rifle Coffee. And uh, Bert Koontz, man, is is really doing it in Wyoming. Uh, they sold out of a lot of products over Christmas, but they're back in stock now for the new year. So go to bisonunion.com and load up. Use the promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off at bisonunion.com. Uh, I know they've got they've got a huge clearance sale for for all of their 2018 items. So go over to bisonunion.com and you can really load up with the promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off. Next up, we got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Back in the new year, new year, new me. Now nah, I hate people who say that. Uh, new year, same Strikeforce. Love Strikeforce, man. They're not going anywhere. This is it. Everybody's working out now. You're, you're trying to get that fucking spring bod ready for spring break or the cruise. You're trying to get ready for the Drinking Bros cruise, um, which is, is now almost a third sold out already. Jesus Christ. Um, you got you to gotta work out. You got to get it in. No carbs, no sugars, and Strikeforce Energy. Um, they've got lemon, original grape, and orange. And let's say you hate drinking water because a lot of people just hate to drink plain water. Pop a little strike force in there. The flavors are amazing. It heightens up the water. It gives you energy. Lasts longer than five-hour energy. You can kick the can, kids. You don't need it anymore. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking to lose some LBs, strike force is a good way to do it, man, and without crashing. Because let's face it, you go on these diets right after the holidays, you're fucking exhausted, man, uh, from doing all the shit and running around. You need some energy. Go to strikeforceenergy.com. Lemon, a ridge, grape, and orange. Pop it in. They got a 10-pack, a 40-pack, in that 750-milliliter bottle. That'll get you going through the workouts because, let's face it, your gym's going to be overcrowded um, with everybody trying to lose some weight. Get on it. Strikeforceenergy.com. Promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off. Last but definitely not least, I'm talking about grillyourassoff.com. Yeah, let's ring in the New Year's right with a little seasoning. Right now, everybody at home is trying to cook healthy, trying to lose those holiday LBs. And you're going to get some seasonings anyways for your, your chicken, steak, pork, you name it. You're going to get fucking seasonings for you. You might as well buy from a veteran-owned company. Also, uh, our good friend of the show, Crispy Avia, has his own spice there. Spicy habanero for Crispy. Get on over to grillyourassoff.com. Try these fucking spices. For reals, man. You're going to buy Lowry's or Montreal steak seasoning or whatever, however the fuck you call it. Uh, You're going to buy seasonings anyways. Again, buy it from a company that is owned 100% by veterans. Love their seasonings across the board. And they've got beef jerky, which is some of my fave. The sweet and spicy is my fucking jam. So if you are dieting and you're trying to get a little snack on in the afternoon, maybe you're going keto. Maybe you're going keto after the holidays. Uh, grab some of that beef jerky. It's a, it's a great afternoon snack. We got a four-pack. It's made with a 100% American beef. So put it in your fucking face. Four for $25. It's a steal. It's like $7 off. Uh, go to grillyourassoff.com. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 15% off at grillyourassoff.com. Also, check out their, their new beer pints over there. 
their mugs. I'm a big fan. I love grillyourassoff.com. Amazing. Here we go, kids. Here is John Dudley and Andy Stump. Hello, welcome to Drinking Bros. Hi, Evan. Great to have you. Great to have you here, Matt. I feel like I haven't been on one in a while. I haven't been on one for quite a while, too, but it feels good to be here with just you, myself, without anyone else. And, well, as long as you and I are on this podcast, basically nobody else exists. Pretty much. But mainly Ross. I'm happy he's not here. Yeah, no. Well, we've got uh, a couple. They sound kind of like they're sore because we whooped them today. Well, like they want to be all by themselves. No, we want you guys in the podcast. Oh, okay. We're just saying we didn't want oh, our partners, our partners, yeah. Jared and Ross, in the podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah. Don't make this about you. I'm not. Just got <laughs> we, weird fast and early. Just got weird really fast. So <laughs> we um, we have a remote setup right now here in Texas. We are at a nice little ranch and we're doing some archery training and cooking some epic meats with two amazing guests here. We have John Dudley. And the one and only Navy SEAL. <laughs> I don't know. I, have to, I just can't let the SEAL thing go lately. I don't want you to. No? Forever. Keep going, no, keep going with it. Just just, just Mr. Go. SEAL? Yep. That's just, no, no, never let it go. Never stop never. making fun of him. Okay. Okay. You outshot so, us today. That's why I'm really yeah. mad. No, no. We're, we're, a little just, bit, we're a little bit butthurt, you know, because we've got uh, Andy Stump. He's also got a podcast, Glared Hot. He's got a credible background, but he uh, he kicked our ass today. And uh, now, John, I would expect you to just like just demolish us. Like, of course. Why? But, I only shot your guys' bows. You've only shot really? a million arrows, give or take, plus or minus one or two, right? Probably. It's yeah. like the, today was one of those things where you think you're good at something, not good at it, but like, okay, I'm better than most because I pay attention. And then when you see a professional do it, it's fucking stupid. Even you, Andy, it was not, you were hammering him. It's because I hang out with Dudley all the time. You guys just got off a hunt, right? Yeah. Where'd you yeah. guys go? I don't know. We exactly don't even know where, where it was. We were, it was. We were in somewhere. Texas, though. Yeah, it was close to Mexico, but in Texas. Yeah. That's all of Texas. Yeah, it was a, it was a. <laughs> It so we were pretty awesome, tuned though. up after a few days of shooting. Really? Had a little bit of reps on you. Reps on reps. That's mm-hmm. okay. Because you guys, you if people don't know, you have an amazing background. When did you start bow hunting, John? Um, started bow hunting when I was nine, I think. Um, 42 now. So I've been bow hunting a long time. But started competing when I was 17 just because I wanted to be better at bow hunting because I kind of blew a lot of opportunities so i just really wanted to get after it and then you know pursued target archery really sucked at it and then just kind of really poked at a nerve so i dropped everything and just chased after like being good at something i was bad at and then just realized i had a talent for it so that's that's a condensed version well, we got an hour, so we can go into we whatever. Sh- we can we can even go long <laughs> Let's if not we want. This it's about not a big me. deal at all. So, I, I'm <clears throat> super interested in this because when you first started, you were 17. You said you, you sucked, right? And yeah, but obviously, you continued, and then you continued to be more and more competitive. So, how long did it take you to really start getting into competitions and then start kind of carving your route? You're like, you know, this is going to be my route. When did you know? Uh, well, when I was 
Right at the end of 17, 18, I was rehabbing my knee. I was supposed to play football, college. I was rehabbing I my that. knee. Yeah. And I was driving down the road. Like I said, I was always a bow hunter, so my bow was always somewhere around, but I kind of just plinked around, you know, a little bit here and there. And then uh, I was driving down this road and saw this little sign that said, uh, archery shoot. So I'm like, oh, what's that? Turned down the road, went down there, and there's all these cars and went up. And they're like, yeah, you can shoot the course for five bucks or ten bucks or whatever. So I shot this course and got about halfway through was completely out of arrows lost all my arrows and it was the first time where i'd ever seen archery where it was animal like foam targets but it was at unknown distances so you would step up to the shooting stake you would guess the distance then you would make your shot and then it had scoring rings on it and I had never seen anything like that the only targets i'd ever shot that were you know animal like were silhouettes at me and my dad had cut out and I stunk at it so bad, but the guys that, um, and actually I left the shoot, went to a gander mountain, bought arrows and went back just to finish. And the guys that made the podium all had these shirts on from a local shop. They were like shop shooters. Right. And the name of the shop at that time was Gat guns in Dundee, Illinois. Mm -hmm. So I, um, Next morning, I was there, and I just lurked around the shop, just looking at everyone, watching people shoot, asking questions. And then, crazy enough, the the guy behind the counter was really behind, and some guy came in, he's like, hey, are my arrows here? And the guy said, no, I don't have them. And he, or he said, yeah, I got them, I got them. He goes, well, I hope so, man. It's the third time I've been in. He's like, yeah, sorry. He goes, I'll, I'll get to him here in a few minutes. Just give me a little bit. And then he walked around the corner and he grabbed me. He goes, hey, kid, are you doing anything? And I go, no, why? He goes, come here. And he pulled me in this back room and he goes, I'm going to show you how to fletch arrows. And he literally goes. I'm glad it was fletching arrows because that conversation could have gone way differently. <laughs> hey, kid, you busy? Come to this back room. Come back show here. You something. Yeah. So I went in the back, fletched some arrows. I came out, I'm like, hey, they're, they're finished. And he goes, okay. And he goes, can you do these? Can you do these? Can you do these? Well, by the end of the night, he goes, come back tomorrow. And I went, like, I ended up going back for about four or five days. And then just, I knew it's what I wanted to do. Right. And I remember telling my dad, uh, hey, I'm going to, I think I'm going to leave college to work for this archery shop. And he goes, well, what are they going to pay you? And I said four ten an hour, and he he's like, I think that's a terrible I- idea. <laughs> it's like I don't want to tell you what to do at right. this point, but he goes, I really think that's a terrible idea. How old were you at that point? Right at eighteen. Eighteen. Yep. And then um, started shooting local shoots. Qualified for um, a, a triple crown event. Went there, really sucked. And then if you fast forward. 12 months I was already in the semi-pro class and then 24 months after like that day fletching an arrow for the first time I was in the pro class making podiums wow yeah yeah my first year in it so I had never fletched an arrow well let me think about this from the day I lost every arrow in my quiver by the halfway point if you fast forward like 25 months well 
25 months, I was in my my rookie year, and I ended up winning the APA Rookie of the Year that year. So why why are you why are you so into bow hunting? Because like a guy with me is I shot guns from four years old growing up. I never really had a bow and arrow other than the ones I'd play with as a kid. But it seems like American culture now has really taken on and you know part, is participating more in archery. It seems, and I don't know if that's like a gun thing and how sensitive that's becoming. But it seems more and more bow hunters um, are becoming yep. prevalent. And do you think that's just because people are understanding it and finding out how? tough and engaging it is as a sport and hunting or i think there's a lot of factors seasons longer i i personally think that the thrill is a little bit more because the encounter is much closer a lot more intimate right yeah it's it's like close range you know you're right in the element and your mistakes are like instantly visible um whereas with the rifle i feel like especially now i feel like if you could see it you can almost shoot it. Whereas that's not the case, you know, that's not the case with bow hunting. There's a lot more factors that go in. Hollywood's obviously helped archery um, just because, you know, they're, they're kind of making some archers cool in a way. So I think, I think that's helping a lot. Um, The season's longer, but for me, I started with a gun. That's what I started with. Started with a, a shotgun with buckshot when I was, I think like, eight or nine down in Mississippi. And then after I shot my first one, they gave me um, a rifle. I think it was maybe a 270. And I thought it, I thought my grandfather would be proud of me. Well, let me f- back up. So this is right now it'd be neglect, but I would just get dropped off at my stand and then they would say, we'll come back to get you when we come, when we can. So, I, you know, here I am, in a tree, like no safety belts. You just kind of climb up there and get on this, I don't know, like pallet that your grandpa nails up in yeah, a make, tree. Makeshift tree stand. Yeah and, yeah. and I'm sitting up there. Granted, I'm from Northern Illinois. I don't handle a lot of guns other than my red rider. And it's like, okay, take this 270, get in the tree. We'll be back at some point and shoot a deer. Um, that's not how I did it for my boy, but that's how I did it for me. And, I remember being in a tree stand, a deer came out, I shot, saw it go down, I waited, no one came, I waited, no one came, another deer came out, I thought, man, if I get to, my grandpa is going to be like, holy cow, this kid is on fire. (laughs) So, boom, boom. (laughs) repeated again. And so when my grandpa came, I said, I, he goes, did you get one? I said, there's one right here. He goes, oh, man, awesome. He's congratulating me. And then when we got up, to, I'm sitting there thinking, like, when should I tell him? When should I tell him? He's so going to be so stoked. Yeah, I'm like, he's going to be so pumped. So then I said, hey, w- maybe drive the truck right over here a little bit. Drive the truck. And so he goes over and he, oh, my God, there's another. I go, yeah, man. I said, what do you think of that? And he goes, Wow, I never, you know, two, man, I've never seen anything. He's like, wow. And then, so I said, well, there's one more over there. And then that's when he just got pissed. And and my grandpa was randomly nice. He came out of uh, the Korean War, came from a long line of brothers. They all went and he was a hard nosed guy. And he looked at me and goes, you're not a hunter. He goes, you're a killer. And he goes, you're you're a selfish little asshole, aren't you? 
He goes, well, you don't want to save anything from anyone else? And he's like, you're done. And then he goes, if you ever want to hunt here again, you're going to have to do it with a bow and arrow. And then that's what started it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It makes sense. He's a selfish little asshole. <laughs> he was pissed. That's, that's, and looking back, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, it was, you know. But that's part of the other thing is, you know, you you need to be a mentor. If I just took kids out and said, hey, you know, enjoy hunting. There you go. Go do it. They don't know any better. They don't yeah. know any better. And, you know, I wasn't – I had leadership to go out in the woods, but – he was also of the old school, like, you need to figure it out. Well, I figured it out by making everybody mad. <laughs> right. Sorry for killing all the deer, Grandpa. Yeah. yeah. Andy, so did you get into bow hunting? Um, we're just all talking about bow hunting. We get another stuff after. But uh, post-military or former Navy SEAL, but, like, were you super Navy SEAL? Uh, <laughs> was but, I? <laughs> when, no. Was it during what you were in, or is no. that something you kind of got out? Because I know a lot of guys that transition, the thrill of the hunt and stock is very similar to the mission set and planning that they did in the military. So they're kind of reliving certain aspects of, you know, like an operations order. Because you really have to do that when you're going out to hunt. Make sure your pack's right if yep. you're going out for a week. But what, what got you into it? Because it seems like you're doing it all the time now. Uh, I am because I got linked up with Dudley. I didn't start bow hunting until August of last year. So just over a year of doing it. And... Um, uh, we met up what early August of seventeen. Yeah, I thought it was August fifth or something. Yeah, how'd you guys meet? Right after, right Sergio. after. Okay. Uh, uh, mutual friend. He, I remember listening to Joe had Cam Haynes on his podcast, and I was just blown away by how enthusiastic they were about it. Right. So I remember the text I sent Joe. I'm like, listen, is this? like bow stuff for real or is this two dudes jerking each other off in a tree stand right. that was the text that i sent him <laughs> to rogan not to me. rogan yeah and uh he's like no man it's awesome i was like all right cool i'm like i don't have any interest in rifle hunting but you guys seem super passionate about it do you have any recommendations on where i could go in san diego and he texts me back he's like go to performance archery so i went there and he had gotten his bow from there it's like do you guys remember what you got Joe got, and they're like, yeah, I'm like, cool, just can you make mine like 1% better because I want to take a picture of it right. and make it mad. So I was shooting 20 yards in my residential neighborhood in my backyard, never had any intention whatsoever of hunting, but Joe posted a picture of a silverback on an arrow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And which I walk, is a release, which is for a, those of you listening. A back tension release, which I'll let Dudley explain. And so I went on his website, got one. And just started shooting with it completely wrong. <laughs> As I found out today, I've been doing most everything completely wrong. Yeah. But hey, that's part of life. You live and learn. And somehow, uh, then we moved to Montana. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this will be cool. Like, I knew right. I wanted to try bow hunting. And I somehow Joe connected us up. I think I, was, I went through a D-loop or something like that. And he's like, I don't know. And Joe, uh, Dudley and I had met in Vegas briefly. I was time traveling at the time. So it's like... We had to reintroduce ourselves to each other, but, uh, showed up at his house and he's put me through exactly the same stuff he did with you guys. Like identical, starting from the ground up, working on pulling through the shot, got me dialed in on the silverback. And then that was early August. And then August 25th of that year, we were in Canada together hunting for the first time. That's epic. And your first animal that you killed was a black bear. Yeah. A black bear. Your first one off the ground. Just just send it going for it. So I'll be honest, I was kind of just like looking around and Deli's like, knock an arrow. I'm like, okay. 
knocking her. He's like, draw back. And I'm sitting there and I didn't know exactly what I was drawing back on because he's a little bit taller than most human beings. And he was watching these bears <laughs> in a field. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I drew back and the thing bolted because I think it winded us, that group. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. ran. And of course, I took a shot at it while it was running and missed. And I was like, well, oh, man, that was pretty exciting. And he goes, knock another arrow. So I knock another arrow. And on the path that had ran off, it's just this black bear walking directly at us. Starting, coming at us. He heard he heard the bow go off and thought it was maybe another bear coming in. So he turned around to ch- challenge us. So he came in starting, like broad-legged posturing. Yeah, that's scary. And I'm like, pull back, dude. But and- so, I could, so he was a little bit in front of me. I couldn't see it coming. And I hear him say, knock an arrow. So I did. And he says, pull back. So I did. And then I saw the bear. Oh, shit. Did you all have like... It was off the ground, head on at like eight yards. Really? Yeah. Pump this like 350 pounder right in the chest. And Y'all got a gun to, for a fail safe or... A guy did. Our guy did. Our guy did. But he was okay. at this point the same color as like the walls. Yeah, he was scared. He was not. He, he was, does not enjoy. He's bears. not a bear fan. He had some experiences. Okay. I thought it was fun. I looked at Andy and I could like, I could see. It was like getting a spark too close to like super flammable fuel. I could just see him like. Ah, his eyes got so big, and I'm like, oh, boy. That he's- Especially if he's bowed up. He's like, who's this motherfucker in my neighborhood, and, and you're the motherfucker in the neighborhood, yeah. and, that's, and all you got is a bow? Oh, yeah. yeah he Were you would- knocked up, too, like ready to drop an arrow just in case? Or <clears throat> No, I was, I, was, I was 100% wanting to be a, a teacher at that point. I mean, I'm, I'm at a point where I really enjoy seeing people experience for the first time, which is what I committed a lot of my time to last year, like with Andy, we did a lot of hunts together where, you know, I don't know if it, if I can say mentoring, but I wanted to be there guiding accurate. him through hunting different yeah. scenarios. We hunted a lot of different species. And then through Andy, I've met a lot of different pe- people through his community to where, and this is an important message, especially for your following is I've met a lot of military guys, a lot, that when they come back, especially I think our age group's the same, so I think there were a lot of people that saw a lot of bad shit or had a lot of a lot of excitement, and then when they came back, they just don't know how to like get back in or they don't know how to find that rush. So every single military guy that I've taken bow hunting that, just you can tell something's missing from what they really like. Which is funny because we've had friends do things on that. It's like the lack of post-traumatic stress because they're so involved in these high threat, high intense, very dynamic situations. Then you pull them out of them and you're like, hey, dude, go work a nine to five and you can't even say fuck at work. You're like, how do I exist? This is the complete antithesis of what I am. And so people live for those hunts. It's why I hunt because I get out and get like the thrill, the camaraderie in the morning of waking up with coffee around my friends and like dude god you don't have to kill anything it's just like let's go let's go fucking get it man yeah it ties back into like you said in the beginning the close tie like 90 percent overlay of what we used to do 100 yeah so you, you're like i saw that like hunting with that i'm like oh this is kind of cool i would say and animals don't shoot back but uh black bears do maul back so there is that <laughs> level of what the fuck the next morning we encountered another bear from that same group do you, do you guys? Do you, I know well, certain what's even crazier is when Andy shot his bear, and, and we were elk hunting, but we knew that they were 
that there were a lot of bears in the area and there was also a lot of wolves. So I told Andy, you know, we're going elk hunting, but you need to have a bear tag. You need to have wolf tag because, you know, if we're out in the middle of the wild, like you could see one of these things, you need to make sure, you know, you're legal to shoot it. So the one that he shot, I had to track it for quite a while. And when I got up, to, when I followed it, all of a sudden the bear just stood up. Like I thought it was his bear that was injured and I thought, oh crap. And it ended up being another bear. It already got onto his bear to eat it. Oh shit. Before Savage. like, and I'm talking Nature. like, I'm talking within 15 minutes. Nature is metal. Yeah. And so I thought that bear was his but it you know when it ran off i'm like crap man and then freaking i take one step and whoa and freaking here's the here's his like piled up on its back like you know like this like ah. and the other one was like mauling it or getting ready to eat it so yeah it was it was for him he's like whoa this is you know high intense crazy you know and granted you're in the back country you're a couple well probably four or five of those days you know, we did 13 miles. Oh, for sure. We were shot. I mean, dehydrated as a mother, you know, digging through everybody's backpack. Like, who's got an old rotten peanut in the bottom of their pack I could eat right now, you know? And it's that stuff just builds brotherhood, you know? And I think that's why people geek out about it. Well, it's kind of like the worst times are usually the best memories, you know? No one, no one thinks back like, dude, remember we were sitting in that air-conditioned room and we had that room temperature water? Like, no one, those aren't the good memories. You got to endure to have them. But so, like, the, <clears throat> I know, in like, in the tactical community and the gun community, right, there's so much information out there. So, like, you know, let's just say I'm this young kid getting into the gun world. Like, it's hard sometimes to orientate where you should look for the proper information to be a, a good practitioner of that sport or hobby what, what would you say john to like orientate people in the right direction where they can get the proper information and skill sets so they can go actually do training and and be a good bow hunter or target shooter both are the same but there's also different aspects to the two so depending on like how far along you wanted to go i guess there'd be slightly different routes but everything that i'm doing is 100 percent focused on giving back to my sport With my brand, I'm not out there to, like, try to gain social media mass. I'm there to put everything I've ever learned on the table and allow people to get better because my my reward is from stories like Andy's or when I met Evan for the first time and, you know, he came, uh, you came to San Diego to an event and you sat in an archery thing and you're just like, man... Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure you said, I had no idea. We need to incorporate this into, like, what we're doing. I've got friends. I've got employees. And, you know, I don't – I think what I'm putting out is probably as good as you can get. I don't want to say that being conceited. But there's a lot of bad information out there. And all I can tell you is everything that I've learned is from doing it wrong and then working with a lot of super, super high-end people and seeing it work repeatedly well. And I just, I don't hide anything. And it's, in in my community, oftentimes I get hate for that because I help, you know, like when I shot with the U.S. team, I always sat around afterwards and helped other teams 
you know, hey, man, you shouldn't have your peep sight here. You know, hey, bring your anchor up. You know, the reason you're doing this is for aero clearance. And I would do this stuff. Then I would go back to my rooms and teammates would be like, hey, we got a freaking metal match against these guys tomorrow. What the hell are you doing? And I was like, so, yeah. So that's but, good for the listeners. How far did you take your your, your shooting career in archery? Um, I started shooting pro at the end of 97. And then... Um, I shot on four different pro circuits, and then I started shooting with the U.S. team, I think, in 2000. Olympic team? What's that? U.S. Olympic team, you said? The compound bows aren't allowed in the Olympics, but okay. the U.S. team has compound teams and recurve teams. Recurve, okay. Yeah, so compounds are allowed in everything except the games. Got so it. everything up to World Games, Grand Prix, World Cups, World Championships, team selections, gold cups, like, you know, all that stuff. So um, I think, and I've never really said this, but I guess I don't have to say, like, what my decoration was, but I competed in all formats. You know, I did. I wasn't one-sided with archery. I competed in all formats. And honestly, when I changed formats is when, in my mind, I decided that, I feel like I know this craft well enough to where if this was my focus, I could win here. But I did it just long enough to be like, okay, I'm comfortable knowing this game. I feel like I can do it. I feel like I'm good at it. I've played here for a year or two, but now I'm going to move on to another format because there's indoor archery, outdoor archery. What's your favorite? My favorite's field. Field archery is all very, very technical. Compound recurve. It's... Well, compound for sure. Okay. But field archery is all variable dots ranging from like the size of a dime up to maybe coffee can. Um, anywhere from, you know, the furthest we shoot is 90 meters in like with the U.S. team. So Jeez. 99 yards. Um, and most most of my practice was probably at 90 meters. I always practice at the longest distances just because it made close stuff easy. Um, but during my team years, it wouldn't be, it'd be pretty common to do over 30,000 arrows a year at 90 meters for practice. Holy smokes. You get my stamp of approval. You cited in my bow today and it was like center mass from every distance out to whatever <laughs> it was, 70 yards, and then just pinpoint. And you're like, oh, got to move this up. I'm like, oh man, I'm lost in this thing. Well, what I focus on is just teaching basics and just ingraining it in i feel like basics is the backbone to any sport you know it's like people can make swinging a golf cup complicated or they can work on the basics and that's what i was asking about like yeah the the, where to find that information and it's good that you're putting out there and and i want to share social media and everything so people can get that information because you know coming from i'm sure evan i's background I, i probably put over a hundred thousand rounds through a Glock, you know, but I learned those fundamentals through trial and error myself yep. and I've refined those to become a fairly decent shot rifle and pistol. But then I didn't know when I had my bow, what the fuck to do. All I would know is like, okay, I did something and the arrow went right, but then you have to go through so many iterations and, you know, I feel like a pistol may be easier because you can replicate that with a magazine with 30 rounds in it. Whereas like a bow, it, it's taxing on physically to mm-hmm. hold an arrow. And so, you know, getting the information from you today was truly a blessing. And thank you very much. Cause it's like, Oh man, I can actually start to figure out what I need to do. And then now I can put some reps in and like work through it. Well, I think that's, that's, that's indicative of a good instructor with a lot of experience 
and we talked about it quite a bit, right? So we talked about it for the last couple of days where when you find good instruction, whether you're looking for, whether you're you know, trying to get better chemistry or fucking, it doesn't matter. When you can take complex information, because really it is complex information, you know, you're, you're talking about anatomy, physiology and physics and, you know, there's the physical circumstance and stress. Like, it's a fucking complex act. Like, it's not as simple as, as just, okay, I'm going to shoot this arrow into the center of the target. It's like, it's fairly complex. And then reduce it down to simplified information that people can take, digest, and then implement quickly. And it's right. Like, that's, that's genius. Like, that's, that's like a genius level uh certification of 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 a i don't know education however you want to certify that and i think that's one thing and that's one of the things that i really like about you and your brand and i've i love great instruction like i was an instructor for a long time and you know not all instructors are created equal i love great instructors and you can see them when you when you see them you know who they are right it's like it's like you can taste a good wine. You know what tastes good. When you, but you have to try a lot of wine, right? You have to know what tastes good and what doesn't. Instructors are really difficult to sift through all the white noise and horse shit because, especially now, because in this information age and all the people on social media that want to tell you how much they know, well, it's, I think that's a really good point. It's like, where do you start and where do you go for really good information? Well, that's the hard part too, right? You just said social media. I think that fancy shit sells, right? It's like no one wants to be uncomfortable and go through the basics and sit there for an hour dry firing a pistol to make sure their front sight isn't moving when they pull through their trigger. They want to know, okay, how do I you know, do a offhand rack and magazine change on my boot? Because that looks sexy for social media. It's the guys that are willing to do the iterations of the the fundamentals and and really refine the craft and and be a practitioner of it. Yeah, I'm going to shoot you know a .15 split on a on a plate that's two feet away from me because it looks cool, sounds cool, but it's not cool because you take away that. And when I say for a lot of these guys, you know, you take away that and you put them into a scenario like we were talking about earlier, pressure test. Yeah, pressure test. All that marksmanship and see how it fucking pans out for you. 90% of the time, it, it's just not going to pan out because it's, it's just fluff. And I think, you know, looking for good information. Because I started with a traditional bow before, like, wait, you know, four years ago, five years ago. And I started shooting the traditional bow in my shop into... I'd stuffed coffee bags into another coffee bag, like the big burlap sack. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. Yeah, and I, I have the picture of uh, my 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 bow target. Oh, that's right! At the very very first factory. Yep. It was coffee bag sack. It was coffee like burlap sacks stuffed in each other. Yeah. And then was, we had the hay bale. I think when we just got the Hoyts, like yeah. a year or something <laughs> goers right, like, out in the parking lot it, shooting in Salt Lake. Bale. So we were making <laughs> yeah. bales of cardboard or boxes yeah. and shit. Yeah, and we were shooting into that, and they would fucking half the time they wouldn't even come out but <laughs> they uh, get stuck in there but was, <clears throat> i couldn't shoot a rifle or pistol obviously it's in the office but i find the repetition and the the act of going through something over and over again and trying to repeat 
and hit center, I find it almost like a form of meditation. Yeah. And it does help because I would take breaks off of work and spreadsheets or whatever and go out to the shop and shoot for, you know, a half hour and just try to hit that fucking dot. That's that's all I wanted to do is just concentrate on hitting that dot. I think there's another thing for, for vets, and I've seen it across the board, uh, a, a ton of guys say, it really helps me. It helps me relax. Actually, it helps me refine an art, and it really just calms me down. And I would say it absolutely does that, because you can go out, and I can go out to my backyard and you know, shoot for 15, 20 minutes. My daughter has a bow. She's got like three of them now, right? And she can shoot her bow in the backyard. I've got my bow in the backyard. I've got my traditional bow. And it, it, it helps. Like it just helps you fucking calm down and calm It's the whole same it. reason why like Warrior's Heart has jujitsu classes at their facility because you're essentially taking all this extraneous white noise out of your life and you're focusing it on like, am I holding? And I'm still fucking that up today where I'm thinking about my hand back here and my hold and then I'm not even looking at my sight picture and throwing it, but you're focusing on just these like small things and everything else kind of goes away and it's, it is therapy. I think it's wonderful and people should try it. So like one of the things I would be interested in, in putting information out, like I'm, you know, say I'm, I don't know, but I want to get into archery. I live in San Antonio, Texas. Where do I start? Do I go down to just any bow shop and start asking questions? Or I think the internet makes it easy. I mean, the internet makes it easier, obviously. If you type in archery shops, you're probably going to see some ratings. You might be able to go down a Google train, uh, you know, a few different routes just to, just to check. Um, my YouTube channel, knock on archery and it's N O C K not K, you know, it's not like knock, like knock someone out. It's knock like arrow knock. So, um, N O C K O N archery. I have archery one Oh one is one of my videos. Right. And it's one of the, the most popular ones that I have because, um, a friend of mine who works for Traeger grills really wanted to get into bow hunting and he wanted to come on this hog hunt with me in, um, that I had with several of my friends, Andy was there Mm -hmm. and he's like, I really want to get into bow hunting. I said, man, don't worry. We can make it happen. I said, but you know, I, I'd love a clean slate. Let's start it right at the, right at the very, very beginning. So archery one one is him showing up. He had never even pulled a bow back and it's, I don't know how long it is. I think it's about an hour, but it's the steps that I walked him through of, okay, here's an archery release. Here's how you hold it. And I started him out with a string and the, the release, the string, just like I did with you, Matt, like Matt was already shooting, but I went back to, I mean, I probably only realistically shot 250 arrows until today. Like that, that's real. So, but I mean, I, I developed enough bad. So yeah, I would rather start it fresh with you than, so I started there. I worked with them for about an hour, I've, an hour or something. It was, you know, you'll see the video because it's real time. And then I could tell when he started to get tired. So I just said, okay, that's good. Let's pick back up tomorrow. So we picked back up the next day. And I think the next day um, is when I finally started letting him actually pull his bow back and shooting on target. And so you'll get to see that, which was Archery 102. And then. By the time, well, on that next night, we drove down to Oklahoma, and for one day, I just had them reinforce those same exact principles, 
and he shot like maybe 40 or 50 arrows with me just reinforcing the exact same principles of archery 101 and archery 102. And I said, okay, man, if you can duplicate this, you're a bow hunter. This is it. So um, ended up putting him in a tree stand. A hog came by, freaking made a perfect shot with a surprise release. And three days after pulling a bow, well, you know, after starting archery, he was making what I would consider a great shot for for bow hunting you know and he was able to do it i think that's the best place to start and then obviously finding a dealer that suits your personality you know it's a it's probably the same with with guns you can go to a lot of gun dealers and some of them are good for just getting you the equipment that you want but some of them are also really passionate about customer service giving people time and getting you going down you know the right line to start with right what about competitions so what about shooting and practice you know 3d ranges and things like that you know where, where do you go to to practice you'll have to look it up every area is different what's funny is when i back when i worked for um, i've worked for two different bow manufacturers um and years ago we were pretty passionate about trying to make sure everyone had a place to shoot archery and we found some kind of a weird clause that like every almost every town has a thing in there where they actually have land designated for an archery park do you know that it's I really weird that. yeah and we started looking and the amount of towns that said like yeah this land here was allocated for archery but no one ever went forward to actually put the targets there um, so we had an initiative and I don't remember it cause this was probably 15 years ago, but we had an initiative where we were putting targets like in, in every hometown and they would just be, you know, random bales that were out there and people really never knew what they were for, but an archery shop's probably a better place to go. But right. one of the things that I would urge people is as soon as you start to get good at archery, it's really easy to fall victim to just want to like push the limits to the max. And what happens is the further you realize you can shoot or start to shoot, then you do it because it's fun to watch air. Like it's, you know, it's fun for someone to go out and shoot a thousand yards, but there's probably time that you need to spend at ground zero, just banging out super fundamental aspects to where they become part of the subconscious and you don't develop bad habits as you know you're not going to develop bad habit well you could but not as easy if you ingrain the fundamentals but when you learn the fundamentals but then bypass this ingrainment it can be a trap door and then you start to get really bad habits because you try to go too far too fast and i think good shops good instructors like I would venture to say, Matt, because you did so many things wrong, like I recognize that about me. I struggled to find instruction. I did so many things wrong. So where now I feel like what makes me a good coach is when I see it, I'm like, okay, here's what you just did. You you recognize when you felt this or felt that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, when you do that, here's the results. And then you're like, oh, shit, yeah, okay. 
and you had that several times. You kept saying, for whatever reason, you're worried about your hand and your hand position was fine. You kept <laughs> asking me. I'm like, dude, we'll get to that. Because I was trying to find the one or two things that would actually make the most difference for your accuracy. And you're worried about this small detail. That's something that in my mind is like, see, social media got me there. Like your hands too tight up front. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> you're death gripping it, bro. Yeah. Cause probably for you, for pistols, you're worried about that so much. Right. Whereas for me, you're taking a pistol and you're elongating it down to 30 inches. So, I'm worried about what's magnified more on the back end than what's on the front end. For sure. And you're just thinking about like what's right between you and the target. And I'm wanting to think about what's from right even with your body to behind the target because that's what people miss about archery is when you execute a good archery shot, it's when you're executing perfect technique behind the shooting line it's not what's in front of it and everyone wants to focus on what's in front of the shooting line but proper shot execution happens when you're fo- when you do what is behind that shooting line correctly that's one of my biggest takeaways today i got was just the way i was releasing because i would see the arrow hit right and you're like look at your hand i'm like oh i pulled it way to the side when i release and then i'm focused on watching my arrow just like as if i instructing on a range i'd be like don't don't look at your front sight post. Don't worry about where the round impacts because it's yep. going to impact if everything's going right behind it. But you're so like with the arrow, since you can see the arc of it, I was like catching myself watching like, oh, where did I hit? Instead of just worrying about doing me right and the fucking thing will hit where it's supposed yeah. to. I like I like seeing you guys in um, like the two of you in social media for whatever reason, because I think it's interesting. You know, you just start Andy and John. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, John and, and Andy, because I think it's interesting. It seems like now you've almost built a relationship where you guys are exchanging experience. Like yeah. You're, you're trading experience at this point. So you're not only friends, but you're teaching him some really cool shit, which I think is like, I'd love to hear about. So, you know, he's, I wouldn't say introduced you, but he's kind of been the in, in, introduction and then the mentor and instructor but you're doing the same thing because you're learning to skydive and that was directly yes. because of you right yep and how many jumps do you have now um i think i did eight and he failed yeah. me on one you failed him yeah. when you fail well i did fail. some kind of a double front flip and almost had a parachute wrap around now, my leg that part oh. was kind of awesome i have that on the computer that's you just almost became fatally engulfed in your pilot shoot which is pretty sweet to watch i'm <laughs> <laughs> just like and eh, my friend's dead and he's alive we're fine here yeah dead alive guy. i killed my friend he is alive reach okay. back to pull oh and he's on his back and he's on his belly again we're good um <laughs> yeah it's you know it's uh for a long time, like I, I felt guilty actually because right. I'm like, hey, John, how do you do this? Hey, John, my bow doesn't shoot right. It's definitely not me. You need to fix it. Yeah. You know, and he would tune my bow and like set it up for me. And I'm just question after question. Like I had nothing to offer, you know, and he was t- totally my gateway into hunting. I don't think I ever would have, I doubt I ever would have hunted without meeting you because I always associated for whatever reason hunting with a rifle. Right. And it's like, that's, I mean, I just, it's too easy. And I right. know, and people lose their mind when I say that. I'm not saying it in a pejorative way. I just, it's taking a long shot with a rifle is not that hard if you've done it for a long time. That's what I mean. Right. Even though I know, yes, some 
People, every time I say that. No, that's a fair statement, because it's like... But it, people it, like, hey, yeah, man, like, you need it, to come hunt with me. Like These a 200-meter shot, really tough, shot like, from, from like, a guy <laughs> that grew up shooting his whole entire life. It's yeah. like enjoyable to harvest meat, but like it's not that challenging. I'm not worried about me doing the right thing. It's like Correct. point A and point A impact, my shit's yeah. on bar, bow, done. So I totally get that. Like uh, three days ago, when John is now a long, uh, long-distance marksman. And we're, we're laying up on a roof, and I'm, I'm just kind of like watching him and like smiling because I know it... He's having a different experience than I am, and that was just super cool. It's like, it. I'm looking at the deer. I was getting ready to shoot the three hundred mag. I'm like, you're dead. Like, there's no question about it, you know. And um, then you know, so that I'm trying to introduce him to that if we have time. But the skydiving thing was awesome because that's something that I've been doing for almost twenty years. Right. It's you got to be careful. You got to be a good student. You got to pay attention. And I always tell people jumping is awesome until it's not, and then it becomes really not awesome really right. fast. <laughs> And, I mean, of course, he applied the same principles, right, focusing on the foundations and the basics. I mean, I've sat across from people on an airplane, and as it's going to altitude, I'm like, oh, maybe we should just land with the plane. <laughs> sweats, yeah, shaking, sweats, shaking, vomiting, dry heaving. Like, hey, what do we do with this altitude? And they're like, ah, ah. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> That's not what you do. You need to check your altitude. This isn't for everybody. <laughs> and John's just sitting there. And, you know, he went through a, a ground school. So he went right. through a civilian course, which, and I tell people, the barrier to entry to civilian skydiving, it's not high. You go to a drop zone. You do your research. Go to a reputable one. You'll do four to six hours of training on the ground. And you will go jump out of an airplane that day. It's just gravity works. It's a constant on flat right. earth. So you'll jump out, you're going to fall. And if you do the right things at the right time, you're going to have an amazing experience. And eight jumps later, he's qualified to jump out of a plane on his own. And most people hear that. They're like, what? You can jump out of a plane on your own after eight jumps? Like, yeah, it's not, it's not crazy. If you drop a rock, it will fall. If you do something to slow that fall before the rock hits, you're going to live. You can repeat the jump over and over. But he was just cool, calm, and collected the entire time. The guy who went through the course with him, had a different approach uh, from emotional control, I would say. And, you know, Deadly's just like, hmm, 52, resting heart rate. Right yeah. before he, it, was, it was awesome to see. But then, it's, so it's funny, too. I, I've done enough jumping and I've done enough instruction. I can tell when people are getting pissed at themselves. Right. You want to talk about a dude who's hard on himself in the moment? One of the jumps, it's a release dive, and you just do turns, right? And it's... But it feels weird when somebody releases you. You guys are both free fall qualified, right? I'm not free fall, just static. All right. You're, are you free? Mm-hmm. So you know, when somebody's holding on to you, it feels awesome, but you have less control than you think because there's a huge surface here. And they let go of it, and you're like, oh. It's kind of like more being a, you go from being a semi-truck to a race car. Yeah, yeah, that's a good analogy. And the, and the jump that he failed was the one where you have – it's control of the turns. It's basically heading control. Right. One instructor lets go, and they come to the front, and then they slide to the side, and you just – you basically turn and control your heading. And – he was trying to make the right input, but it really wasn't, it wasn't making the turn. And I could just look, I was looking at him in his eyes. I'm like, oh, stop critiquing yourself mid free fall. He was getting pissed at himself. That's how serious he, and how aware in the moment he is. I mean, I've taught people to jump. I'm like, hey, on this jump, I'm going to let go of you and come around to the front. And as I go to the side, I need you to turn and follow me. And they're like, yeah. And I let go of him and I come to the front and it's just buffering for the entire jump. And they're just looking at me and they won't. I go to the side and I'm like, 
and they're just like, ha. I'm gonna go get my free fall with you. I've been wanting to do it for years. Oh, just okay, haven't had, sure. found the time. Well, and so here's the key that I think, and I mean, John would have to attest to this because I didn't get this as an opportunity when I started. But the wind tunnel is huge because there's no consequence. I mean, there is if you get crazy in there. I've seen people break their arms and legs, but they had to try really, really, really hard. Yeah, to that's do not it. that bad. And but you get to go in there and you feel what it feels like as opposed to learning all this stuff in a ground right. school and then getting thrown out of a plane and having to figure out what it feels like with responsibilities as the clock is ticking. I I had the exact experience. So I had jumped static one and then I'd done a couple jumps without the tunnel and then I got in the tunnel in Denver and go, spent oh. like an hour yeah. in, in the tunnel, you know, or however long it was, went back up and I was like Oh fuck! Like yeah. night and day, right? Your average military jumper after about ten years will probably have a hundred jumps, right? That's dog shit. I mean, ten jumps a year, and well, well, let's just put this into perspective. What's your average free fall from exiting the airplane to uh, becoming under canopy? So most drop zones will get you twelve thousand five hundred feet to thirteen thousand feet. I think by the current USPA standard, you have to have. For an experienced jumper, you have to have initiated deployment by either 2,000 feet or 2,500 feet. So what, what in seconds of free fall? So if one minute. On, if you're flying with your belly oriented to the ground, you'll fall. So you're essentially saying 100 jumps in 10 years, that's, uh, what, an hour 30 under canopy? In free fall. In, oh, no, so it's, no, sorry, not under canopy, under free fall. So it's like an hour in there just essentially gave you seven years-ish of experience. Back the envelope math. Yeah, I mean, in, in an hour, you'll get hundreds of jumps worth of experience because you don't right. have to ride an airplane. You don't have to pack a parachute. Right. And the key to the tunnel is it's such a small environment. It's, it's big, yeah. but it's small enough that if you move a millimeter, it's instant feedback. When you have inexperienced jumpers, I, I love listening to the debriefs because you're like, oh, man, you suck. You were flying all over the place. Oh, fuck you, dude. You suck. You were flying all over the place. The reality is, is they were dog shit orbiting each other in an uncontrollable axis. One guy's well, you, it's so hard to gauge distance up there because you're not like yeah. relatively speaking. You're looking at freaking houses. There's no reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. eight thousand feet down. And you watch. I've done it time and time again with these guys. About a hundred jumps. They've been jumping for a long time. They think they're you know Johnny Big Dick, and they're just crushing it. They get in the tunnel and they can't stay off the glass. They're just in there and like bonk. They go up against the glass and they push away and they go bonk. And they go to the other side and they get so frustrated because they think they're a badass. And it's like, dude. It's the same dry firing. It's the same thing. It's right. like you can get so much feedback. You can see the flinch. You can see you pushing the round. You get in that thing and it tunes you up and you go back into the sky. You're like, okay. And when it comes to learning, I mean, we throw you in there for 30 minutes. And I'll do a couple hours in the tunnel before I jump out you with won't you. Need it. You'll be actually, you'd be exhausted. You'd because it's when you're first. I'm saying over a course of like, yeah. you yeah. know, a couple months. I, I no, just, we'll do it in a weekend. I yeah. just recently Yolo. was doing um, <laughs> back. So back flying. Like, yeah, dude. And it wore me the fuck, like wore me the fuck out. Yeah, I was like twenty minutes in there. Well, <laughs> I was then like fucking fried. Yeah, I so you get fried. belly. I was like fuck belly back, and then you got to learn how to fly sitting vertically, like in a yeah. chair, which is again exhausting. Then you flip that axis over, and you learn how to fly with your head down, which is even more exhausting. And then, it, some amount of experience, you cross this threshold, and you just don't get tired anymore because you relax, which is what you needed to do from the beginning, right? And then it all works way better. <laughs> relax. Yeah. yeah. Earlier, you talked about um, you thought that the skydiving thing would be a way for you to give back. The best way to give back to someone, at least like me, is I just love having people that apply, like, 
if I put forth effort to teach someone and they apply it, it's the best thing you could ever give me back. Mm. Um, and it's the reason why you and I are so close because, you know, you're a hundred percent committed to learn. And the people that I surround myself with are people that are also that way that, you know, if they're not good at something, they go to every extreme to, to like accept, to be a good student, not, you know, not just like dominant. And I think good teachers sometimes will come out of the woodwork when they have a good student because oftentimes people that are really, really good at a craft, I think what burns them out is when they work with people that just partially apply what they put forth. And then it just gets like, there's been times where where I've thought like, maybe I just need to, you know, enjoy myself a little bit, not just keep putting this in because sometimes I work with teams where you go back and it's like, okay, everyone, we're exactly where we were when I was here last year. And so I'm just going to repeat the exact same thing. This will work. If you don't apply it, then we're going to do this again next year. And I well, who wants it, to give I, advice? I call it, huh? no one, who wants to give advice if no one listens to it's it? Exhausting. I mean, or at least right. try it, implement it, and it might not work for them because those are some of the yeah. I so, call them assholes. Assholes. That's funny. Have you ever seen that? It's like, hey, bro, what should I do? Um, do you think I should use this or that? Well, you should definitely use this. Here's how you do. It. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, so I just do this. Yep, yep, yep. And then all of a sudden, you see them in like two weeks. They're like, hey, man. Um, so I was thinking about, and I. I'm like, yeah, I just looked at your uh, social media. You went right back to where you were. Like, I, So I kind of just copy and paste. I think you should do this. And then finally, you know, after the third time, it's like delete. <laughs> I can't help you. I'm telling you what my expertise is. This is my recommendation. And it's not going to change. I'm not going to tailor it for what you're comfortable to apply. If you're not comfortable with what I believe is going to work, then you got to find another teacher that might work for you, but it's just not me. Well, getting better at anything in life requires being uncomfortable. And that's, we, I mean, it really applies to anything in life. We've talked about in businesses, people don't want to make the hard change. You know, be, the easy change is to stay where you're at and bitch about the gear. You know, we made, I made jokes about they like, oh, my bow's not zero, this and that. Like, that's the easy out, right? Saying that I fucking suck and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing is the hard one. But once you get to that like least introspective moment, like, okay, I suck at this. Let me listen to someone that's done it for 20 plus years. I might be able to put an arrow a little closer to the center. Or yeah. To anything in life. Yeah. When I, I've found that when, when I, I'll, I'll tend to get stuck on a loop too, or I'm like fixated on trying to fix something for a long period of time. And then I'll have to break myself out. I mean, in that, in that circumstance, uh, for instance, from the last time that we shot in San Diego to here, I'm like, fuck, man, you, I know you told me that last time. You, like, you told me that last time. I'm like, but I was fixated on something else for like three months, and I forgot the one thing that you told me or whatever it was. It was just as important as the rest. I'm like, man. That happens with me, too. I mean, I've been shooting with him for a year and a half, and he'll come up and be like, hey, man, you know, get your elbow higher because over reps or being away, I'll let myself right. – It'll degrade a little bit. And one thing I like about your coaching is that like, he's telling me cues now that I know I was doing when I first started, but if he had told me when I first started, I would have been overwhelmed. Right. So it's now like when we were 
elk hunting, you were talking about the torque in my front hand. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I've been doing that since the day I shot my bow for the first time. But if he had told me about, you know, because talking about, you'd have to describe it, but how just when you're pulling back my bow, if I feel it cocking in my hand, what the impact that has on the flight of the arrow. I'm like, oh, thank God you didn't tell me that the first time because I would not have been thinking about anything but that and been punching the trigger or whatever <laughs> it is. So, again, a sign of a, a very good, uh, knowledgeable, and experienced coach. Well, I think good coaches and good lead- leaders are very similar just in the fact that th- there's always multiple things in the fire. It's right. like, what? And I always just go away with, I'm pretty sure people can digest two things at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm comfortable with that. So what two things are going to make the best impact for this person or what we're trying to accomplish? And the the same is true anytime I'm dealing with, you know, issues with a company I might be consulting for or something like that. They'll be like, well, we've got this, 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 and this. I'm like, yeah, man. But if... If we just address these two issues, eighty per, we're eighty percent better. Like, like uh, the hundred percent, I get it. But let's if we nail the eighty percent and we do it well enough for a long enough period of time, that's just going to become part of the flow. Right. And then we can pick away at those other things. But you know, if you try to tackle the hundred percent, then you're going to end up doing. A hundred percent of the things halfway, right. you know, and it's just the overall equation isn't better. Like the overall sum to me isn't better. I would rather just have someone just executing this thing to the point where it's like, dude, you do this so good, but I want to make this part just like the same. And that's what I do myself when I take videos or pictures of myself, when I was competing, my goal, I had a goal every year. My goal was, what is the weakest part of my game? And I would say, my goal is to make my weakest part my strongest point. So I always forced myself to do the thing I hated most. And honestly, indoor target shooting on a three-spot Vegas face, mm-hmm. I hated it. For whatever reason... Aiming on yellow, red, blue, like my my brain couldn't center. It couldn't center. I just, you know, it was like a shotgun pattern versus a slug pattern. Even though all I had to do is change the color and I could shoot the groups. You know, if I change it to like a black and white face, it was fine. But th- for whatever reason, those colors wigged me out and I knew it was mental. And so I just told myself, the only thing I'm going to shoot are these three freaking colors all year. So every single target I had printed, and I just shot yellow, blue, red, yellow, red, blue, yellow, red, blue, yellow, red, blue, to the point where it was just, I mean, it's just like this, my body just gave up. Like my my whatever my mental block was, finally it's like, okay, uncle, shit, I've whatever. He's going to pin another one of these right. freaking three-spot gold, red, blue faces up, and it's just – it is what it is. Like, we are we can bitch about this as much as we want. He bought 300 of those things. They're freaking sitting in a away. roll, yeah. and that's what he's pinning on the target, and that's like – it's over. And then now, you know, 
even if I don't practice on that thing for ages, which I last week on my social media I posted, I'm doing like weekly homework assignments for people. I hadn't shot that face in almost 10 months, and I pinned it up the first day. I shot two points off perfect, and then by the third day, it was just, you know, perfect, perfect, perfect. And a lot of people struggle as shooters because for whatever reason, certain colors wig them out or certain target faces emphasize like the X more than the 10. So people get so weirded out to hold still on the X that they don't realize, well, all I need to do is hit the 10. So they're like psyching themselves out. You know, some of these targets are psyches. And when I would ever have those, one of them was the that. I remember one year, I just recognized the fact every tournament I totally derail at is when the condition, like when the wind is bad, and I sit there finding myself making excuses like the wind, you know, the wind sucks. It doesn't matter. I'm just wanting to get this tournament over, get out of here. And then finally, I'm like, you know what? You got to freaking learn this shit, man. If you're going to go practice, practice in the middle of the day when the wind's the strongest at home. And so I just did it. And I wasn't as good that whole year practicing. Like I wasn't laying down my scores, but I also learned more about ballistics than any other time during my career because I had to start to understand drift. And I learned the bow I was behind and how it reacted to the drift. My groups weren't as good because I'm dealing with elements, but deep down I knew what to do in the elements i just had to you know let it hit where it may and then once i embraced that then it got to the point where i realized okay this type of ballistic drifts like this and then when it got into a hunting situation people were like well shit man where do i hold i'm like freaking hold right here dude freaking keep your finger on that safety until it's time let off the safety get the pin on the target embrace the float and freaking commit like don't dilly dally around don't start and stop just like if normally your acceleration is five seconds acceleration is 2.5 seconds when you know things are as steady as they're going to be commit to the shot execute and just you know let the cards fall where they may and then all of a sudden bam like i just feel like it went to a new level but it was because i forced myself to make my my weakest point like a strong point that was and it was only one i didn't pick tons i didn't make like so many goals to where i had this massive like checklist it was like i'm gonna do this that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it for a year it's 365 days 365 times i'm gonna do one thing it's a lot of work (laughs) where is and how how many places have you guys hunted together damn so alberta France, Texas, Montana. You go with it. Oklahoma. <laughs> I think that's it. How many things have we probably killed together? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this dozens week, probably already. Oh, for sure, yeah. That's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm like, we're hitting about an hour on the podcast. And I'm like, we could do nine more of these because it's super intriguing, but we also have whitetail out there. And I'm like, really want to throw on the grill. Because it's you guys took yesterday in Texas, right? Yes. Super excited for that. I mean, not both of us, though. I mean, it was my back's a little sore from this last week. Right. Okay. Carrying the weight or what? I mean, I Dudley can talk about it. I don't know. 
Anytime the student can become the teacher, freaking embrace it. I have to get all the play out of it now because it'll never happen again. So I have to really crystallize this moment. I'm going to get a trophy made. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It'll be a little bit bigger than that axis deer over there. I'll travel with it. It's the full mount, you know. It's all good. Not a big deal. Where can, where can they find What's you funny is he he actually rubbed it in where we were. The guy's like, "Hey man, these are some cool bucks. I mean, what are you going to do with them?" And he's like, "I don't really know." He goes, "If just do me, can you go ask John what I need to do with those? Whether I'm going to mount it or whether I'm going to euro mount it?" He's like, "Just I'm going to let John make that decision." <laughs> so the guy's like, um, "Does Andy want this one in a in a mount or will he just take the?" The the big horns. Does he want the the score mounted on a gold plaque because it's bigger than yours? And I'm like, okay, yeah. So that one send to no. yeah. Put all those in the dumpster. Yeah. yeah. Throw all those in the dumpster. Where where can they find you guys in social media? Go ahead, Dad. Um. Well, three places for me. N o c k o n. TV is my Instagram. Uh, knock on TV or knock on archery is my YouTube and Andy and I both um, have a brand that we collaborated with. We didn't really talk about. It's called free range American. Free range American. You can go to free range American dot us. Give us the, the lowdown on that real quick. Yeah. just so we know Give what that's about. Range. Go for it, Andy. God damn it. I always have to do it. So <laughs> easiest way to describe it for me or why I think it's important is talking about the social media world, right? We were talking about this earlier today on my podcast with Evan and the influence that it has. And I see people who, in my mind, confuse experiencing things for real versus experiencing things through like an Instagram page. And they we're super lucky to live where we live, to be able to do what we do, to have the freedoms that we have and the, the privileges and rights and all that. And the brand is about getting off of your ass and going and utilizing the freedoms that we have. And expressing them to the utmost and doing awesome shit is basically the tagline. Like, go do awesome shit. Take your kids outside, go backpack. It doesn't have to be adrenaline-based. A lot of people right. have confused that. Like, I like base jumping. I don't recommend that anybody ever does it. I'm not saying do that. You can take your kid to the park as opposed to putting your kid in front of the TV for an hour. That's right. awesome shit. Get out and enjoy the freedoms we are so very fortunate to have. So that brand is a celebration of that and hopefully a little bit of motivation to get people to do that. That's what it's based around. Love it. And where can they find that? You said it was... FreeRangeAmerican.us. I don't know what it will come up if you put in FreeRangeAmerican.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, same on all social media. Sites. Well, he's like, what, yeah. what? Should we get a website domain? I'm like, it has to be .us yeah. because obviously if you're... Because America. Well, we're yeah. not really worried you're about... You're free-range American. We're not free-ranging. Our shirts. If they want to, they can. We will ship there, but I don't think it's a high volume. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you guys both the follow. I'm going to go buy some shirts... I'm a fanboy. Plus cleared hot. Thank you so much. You got yeah. a Andy Stump. Oh yeah, two one two. Yeah, mine is just my name, Andy Stump, and the number two one two. Because some asshole has Andy Stump. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. I saw you jump in at the five eleven grand opening we were at. You did. Together. Yeah, it's the first time we met face to face. Yeah, it's a good time. It was a good time. I think yeah. they kind of uh, finagled that to even happen, and they weren't supposed to. But you know, they did. They did a good job. It all it all works itself out. At the Sorted end of the day. itself. It's yeah. good to go. Well, guys, dude, thank you so much. You guys are welcome back any freaking time. I had a pleasure shooting today, and I hope to continue and have a good time together and learn how much I suck even more. Yeah, man, thanks for having us. Cheers.